morning. How's everyone? Feel like you've been to church this morning? Just a little bit. It's been good to worship with you. My name is Kyle, and we're so glad that each and every one of you are here today. Uh, we've been in the midst of looking at this incredible, epic story uh, from Exodus. And we're going to continue to look at this story today and just unpack some truths that I believe are going to be, I'll say this word, revolutionary in our lives if we'll absorb them for what they really are. And so today, as we uh, peek into this story of Exodus, we're going to look at God's rules. And obviously today, we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments. Rules and religion, let me say that again, rules and religion, they kind of just go together, don't they? With pretty much any religion out there, there are some rules that you're supposed to follow or adhere to. And when it comes to Christianity, many people think that the Ten Commandments are the way that we find ourselves getting and obtaining a relationship with God. So in other words, if you follow the rules, you're in with God. If you don't follow the rules, then you're out. So how is it when it comes to this idea of God's rules? I would suggest to you that many of us have either subconsciously or consciously Christian or not, dubbed God as the author of what we call legalism. Again, many of us, whether we believe in God and Christianity or not, many of us have subconsciously or intentionally said, God, we think you're the one that came up with this whole idea. And if that's where you land, if that's your mentality or your belief system or your view of Scripture, you've got a bad view of God and you've got a bad view of Scripture. God did not author legalism. And I could unpack what legalism is a lot more. We don't have time to do that this morning. But here's what I want to say to you. That if that is how you view God and that is how you view Christianity, if you will listen today, you will learn some truths that will change your life. So how do the rules fit into Christianity? How does it work? Well, let me give you some rules to kind of get our minds going on rules. Our lives consist of rules. Uh, the first one I would give you would be this, this idea of HOA rules, a homeowners association list of rules. So here's how it works when you're in an HOA. You don't really always know where you stand, but you're in this group of people that gives a little bit of money so that your neighborhood kind of remains the way that it's supposed to. Are you with me? Homeowners Association. Some of you are in them. Some of you have been in them before. Some of you don't want to ever be in them again. Some of you long to be in them one, one day. But here you are with Homeowners Association. And here's what Homeowners Association rules do. You get the rules in order to maintain property value. That's why you get homeowner's rules. You don't really know if you're in or not. You just know whether you paid or not, right? And you know whether or not you mowed your yard or not. Because if you didn't mow your yard, somebody sends you a nasty letter in the mail telling you that you've got to mow your yard and put up your trash cans, right? That's just the way it works. And then you think, well, who are these people? Who is the HOA? Let me tell you, you can find out who the HOA is. Show up at their garage to their business meeting, 
and you will find out who the HOA really is. But again, HOA rules are there to get the rules in order to maintain property value. Then come a second set of rules that we might be somewhat familiar with. Some of us like this idea. Some of us don't like this idea. But it's the idea of club rules. Club rules. In other words, uh, there are rules there that you are supposed to adhere to in order to get in and to stay in with a certain organization. So it involves you getting the rules, keeping the rules, and them believing that you're going to keep the rules, and also you paying a lot of money so that you can get into this relationship. So you get the rules in order to establish relationship, in order to establish relationship. And then next, you get what we call family rules. Why do you get family rules? You get family rules because you're in the family already. Parents, you make rules for your kids, right? You make rules for your kids because they're your kids. Parents don't make rules for other kids. You don't set bedtimes for other kids, and you don't set boundaries for other kids. Now, I know you wish you could at some times, right? You got those kids around you like, man, if they were mine, I would so straighten them out. You probably say that about mine when you see mine. Parenting's a whole lot easier when it's over there, right? Right? You got, you got everybody else's kids all figured out. Yours were perfect, right? They never messed up in public. What I love is the, is the young singles and the young marrieds that talk about how they're going to do parenting. You know what I'm saying? And my kid will never do that. Yes, they will. So we got this idea of HOA rules. We got this idea of club rules. We got this, so which one is it? Which one is it? We'll look at Exodus chapter 20 beginning in verse number 1. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 1. There's a dialogue going on between God, who created everything, and Moses. Moses has climbed up a mountain away from all of the people of Israel, the people of God, the people that God had brought out of Egypt. And Moses has been asked to get alone up on this mountain with God. And there's this long dialogue of which we're only going to get a snippet of this morning. I encourage you to read all of it. And what we're about to read is God telling Moses to go back and tell the people of God what he said. So he's saying, I'm saying this, now you go tell everybody else what I said. Eventually, Moses is going to give these words to the people of God. But right now, Moses is the one hearing these alone with God. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions. Verse 2, God says this. I am the Lord your God. And I imagine in this moment, Moses potentially interrupting God and saying to God, God, hang on just a minute. Didn't you mean to say, I am the Lord, the God? Because God, you actually said, I am the Lord, your God. And God, I, I, I realize what you just did right there, and I think you messed up. You implied that you've got relationship with me, and you've got relationship with all these people that are down on the bottom of the mountain waiting for me to come back down. And God, I don't know if you know it or not, but we really haven't done anything for you. 
We really haven't proved ourselves to you. We haven't earned your favor. And I really think that you meant to say, I am the Lord, the God. At which one, what, that moment, I believe God used that booming God voice to tell Moses just to hush and say to him, like a good parent would, stop interrupting me. I'm not through yet. Look at the rest of verse number two. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And so God reminds them of who he is, who he is in relationship to these people, and what he has done for them because they are his. You think God doesn't know that these people haven't done a whole lot to please him, haven't done a lot to obey him, haven't done a lot to earn his favor? What God is telling Moses to tell the people is what we need to hear today, that if God is our God, it's not because we're good, it's because he's good. It's not because we have earned his favor or we have earned right to relationship with him, but just the opposite God is good, and he has done everything necessary to have relationship with us. He's like, let me tell you why I've got relationship with you. I've got relationship with you because I love you. I've got relationship with you because I sent ten plagues. Can you remember, just a little over a month ago, guys, just a little over a month ago, I sent the flies, and I sent the gnats, and I sent the lice, and I sent the frogs, and I sent all of those, including the Passover, I sent those to bring you out. That's what I've done for you because you are mine. And so he reminds them, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. I'm going to throw this in there. I'm trying to stay sharp on my time this morning, but it's worth me saying, listen to me. If you are stuck in slavery, let's take the people of Israel for just a moment. Seven days a week, they were, they were, just, they were, they were beaten with whips and they were told what to do. If that's your life, every single day, someone else is telling you what to do, God doesn't have any room to tell you what to do. When God tells you, hey, I want you to take Saturday, and that's the way it would have worked in that day, I want you to take Saturday off from everything, and I just want you to worship me, you can't do that if you're enslaved to someone else. Hey, if God tells you, I want you to offer sacrifices to me, you can't say to your slave owner, hey, slave owner, hey, master, I'm going to take about an hour break so I can go over here and slay this animal and worship God. You just can't do that. God had to get them out of slavery for them to be able to function like his people. If you or I are enslaved to anyone or anything. In particular, if we are enslaved to sin, we can't worship God. Some of you came here this morning like, man, the music was so good, and it was. You know, like, man, I really want to engage with that, but you struggled too. Man, I sung, but I just don't know if the connection was there. Could it be that everything was available to you today to worship God except for the fact that you are enslaved to something in your life right now that did not allow you to connect with God. God wants to free you just like he did these people so that you can worship him, so that you can serve him. So God reminds them of who he is. I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. So God had been quiet for quite some time at this point. I want you to flip back to Exodus chapter 12. And in Exodus chapter 12, which we've already looked at, I want you to notice that Exodus chapter 12 is the first time in several hundred years 
that God gives specific instructions to his people. So God had been quiet for a long, long, long time. And he chooses to speak and he chooses to give them instructions. And check out what the first piece of instructions that he gives to his people. Exodus chapter 12, we're backing up in time in the story just a little bit. Verse 21 and verse 22 says, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into the basin. Then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the tops and the sides of the door frames of your houses. Now, which part of those two verses was not weird for you? It's every bit of it. Well, where do I go get the, the goat from? I mean, like, where do I go find one of those, you know? It wasn't strange for them. They had livestock. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You want... You want me to take it to the butcher, right? Like, you mean take it down here and let them, you know, handle all that for me. Even some of these manly deer hunters that are in this room don't take care of everything after they kill the deer, right? They go have somebody else take care of that stuff for them, right? You, you want me to do what? You want me to do what? No, okay, we, we, we do that. We, we slaughter animals all the time, and we butcher them up, and we eat them as a family. Nothing unusual. Our kids have seen it. Our wives have seen it. We get that, okay? The only strange thing to them, I mean, slaying an animal for them was much like us texting or using a microwave today. It's just common daily thing that you did. The weird thing that God asked them to do was to take the blood that dripped and drained from the animal and to take a piece of branch that kind of worked as a paintbrush and to brush it above and beside the doorpost on their homes. That was the only strange, weird thing God asked them to do. And God reminds them, I'm the one. I'm the Lord, your God, that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that sent the plagues, and I'm the one that brought the Passover. I'm the one that passed over you, didn't kill your firstborn, because I saw the blood applied to your doorpost. And yes, I'm the one that took out all the firstborn of Egypt, of which the blood was not applied, so that Pharaoh would finally break and say, get out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. I'm that God. I'm the one that rescued you out of Egypt. You're mine now. I love you. I want what's best for you. God's saying, I don't want to be your lawgiver. I want to be your father. You see, the rules aren't a condition for relationship with God. They are a confirmation of one. Catch this. The rules are not a condition for relationship with God. If you and I have to keep the rules to have relationship with God, guess where you and I are with God? Far, far away. Now, some of you may be closer than I am, and some of you may be closer than your neighbor sitting next to you, but if you think that you've kept enough rules to have a relationship with God, and you think you can keep enough rules to have a relationship with God, you're missing Scripture entirely. Every time God issued rules, he issued them to his people, Adam and Eve. He gave them one rule. That rule came after relationship with God. He walked with them and he talked with them every single day, relationship. He said, I just got one rule for you. You're mine. I love you. I want what's best for you. So don't. And he gave them the one rule. Abraham, 
which preceded the people of God that we're seeing here. Abraham was not told what to do and given rules until he had relationship with God. Same thing is happening here. Israel was not God's people because they had kept some rules. They got in even before the rules existed. Do you realize that the exodus, the leaving out of Egypt into wilderness, preceded any commandments given by God? And yet God just declared in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 2, I am the Lord, your God, your God. The rules aren't a condition for relationship with God. They're a confirmation of one end. They got in with God because of the goodness and the grace of God. I want you to look at John chapter 1, verse 12. It's going to be on the screen for you. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who believed him, meaning Jesus, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become what? To become what? To become children of God. Notice he doesn't say for all who went to church every Sunday. That he gave the right to become the children of God. Notice it doesn't say, for all who tithed, he gave the right to become the children of God. The list could go on and on and on and on of really good things that we can and we should do. But he says, that's not why you're my children. You're my children because of your faith and because of my goodness and because of my grace. So if you, like me, are a child of God, it's not because of the good things that we have done. It's because of the goodness of God. It's because of Jesus. It's because what he has issued to us. We're not here to get in with God because we already are. We're in. We're his, and he is ours by faith. Again, the rules aren't a condition for relationship with God. They are a confirmation of one. In other words, God has come to the people, and he's like, I'm not giving you these rules so that you can be my people. I'm giving you these rules, I'm giving you these rules because you are my people. You see the big difference there? I'm not giving you these rules so that you can jump through hoops and do everything I say so that you can become my people. I'm giving you these rules because you are my people and I love you and I care for you. Huge, huge difference. So between all those first sets of rules that we offer to you, we see in Scripture that it's family rules that apply when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to Christianity. It's family rules God gives us rules because we are his, because we are his. And if you're not one of his and you're looking at the rules, guess what the rules do for you? They make you realize, just like I realized, I don't belong to him and I can't belong to him by following the rules. Do you realize the rules do not expose the legalism of God? Listen to me. The rules expose the holiness of God. And some of you are today overwhelmed with the laws of God, and what you need to become overwhelmed with is the holiness of God. Okay? Because when you really start looking at the holiness of God, you get your eyes where they're really supposed to be. And guess where your eyes really need to be? On the essence and the full expressions of God's holiness. And let me tell you what the full essence and expression of God's holiness is. Jesus. You want to see God's holiness? Look at Jesus. You want to see God's holiness? Just look at the Savior. That is who he gives us to become his. God gives us rules as his followers, as his believers, because he loves us. He wants what is best for us. 
He understands that we need help in relationship with him, and we need help in relationship with one another. So he says, here's how you ought to treat one another. In fact, in Galatians, it said, hey, the greatest one is this. Love what? What did it say? Love your, did y'all catch it this morning? We read it together, Galatians 5. Love your neighbor. Like, man, if we all loved our neighbor as ourselves, what a better world this would be, wouldn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I love myself. I've got that one figured out. I don't have to be taught how to do that. I, I love myself. I treat myself well. I feed myself well. I mean, I, I love me. And what I've got to learn to do is to lo- love you like I love me. And when I start loving you the way I love me, y'all going to like me a lot. Vice versa. We're going to get along. And we're going to look like Jesus. And other people are going to see Jesus. And other people are going to want what we have. And we're going to say, no problem, we're going to love you just the way we love ourselves. So let's just share this all the way around because the love that we have for ourselves ultimately comes from the love of Jesus. And the love that we have for one another comes from Jesus. Again, this is where Jesus is such a big, big deal. He wasn't just a good guy giving us a good example. He was the Savior of all mankind. Our way, my way, your way, and everybody else's way to God. He kept the rules. Listen to this. Jesus kept the rules, and he died for all the rules that we haven't kept. Anybody in this room besides me blown it big time in your life? Let me me put another word on it. Sinned. Eight of you are honest this morning. Thank you. God bless you. Amen for you guys. I would suggest this. I would would offer this. Without even reading the Ten Commandments that start in verse number three, without even reading them, I would suggest that before we read read them, of the few that you can remember, and maybe one of you, you're really sharp, and you can name all ten of them, but of the few of them that you can remember, I would bet every single person in this room would say, yep, I've blown at least one or more of those in my life several times. Blown it. And you realize, like, God's rules in the Old Testament aren't limited to 10. Y'all know that, right? Like, if you read the whole Old Testament, I think it's like 480-something laws. And we're like, I couldn't even handle the 10. That's the point. You can't. You can't do it. Can't handle the 10, can't handle the 482, you can't handle it for a minute, you can't handle it for a day, you can't, your best day, you can't handle it. Thus, we get the grace of God, just like the people in the Old Testament did. You've got to understand God's grace didn't come into effect and come into being in the New Testament, it always has been. We just got the full expression of it in Jesus. God's always offered his grace. Why are the people out of Egypt? Because of his grace. Why are you out of slavery to sin? Because of his grace. Because of his grace. We we know that we're imperfect. In fact, it's the reason why a lot of us showed up today, because we're honest. We're like, man, I, I need Jesus. I mean, sometimes we don't care, right? We there's parts and seasons of our life, and hopefully for those of us that are following Jesus, this is the past. This is not the present. But we look back, and there was a seasons of our life we didn't we didn't care. We didn't care what God thought. We didn't care what anybody else thought. We blew it. We didn't care. We just we just we just sinned and we did our own thing. And then there were days that we were doing our dead level best, 
to do what was right, and we still blew it, right? So God sends Jesus. God's saying to you exactly what he's saying to the people of Egypt. Trust me. I brought you out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I am the one who rescued you. So do what I'm asking you to do. Trust me. What I'm about to tell you is going to be helpful for you. Do you understand the instructions of God are for your benefit, for your safety, for your blessing? That's why they are there. That's why they are there as believers. Now, if you're an unbeliever, they are there to make you realize you need Jesus. That's why they are there. God is saying to me and God is saying to you, trust me. The other beautiful thing that we see in this story, in the Exodus, and we see this giving of the law, following relationship, and what we see in this grace and this truth of Jesus is God saying to you and God saying to me, hey, you don't have to have it all straightened out before you come to me. Some of you are potentially trying to get life all cleaned up so you can come to Jesus and so you can experience salvation. Listen, he wants you exactly the way you are because he's the only one who can clean you up. He is the only one who can and will change you. He's saying, come to me right where you are, as messed up as you are, as ugly as your heart is. I want it because I love you. I love you. I want to forgive your sin. I want to forgive you. I want to free you and enter into relationship with you. Another idea I want to share with you is this. Before God wants you to be a rule keeper, he wants to enter into relationship with you. Before God wants you to be a rule keeper, he wants to enter into relationship with you. God wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. How bad does God want to know you? He took on flesh and lived among us. God left perfection. Jesus, God in the flesh, was born of a mama just like you and I were born of a mama. The major difference was he didn't have a daddy here on this earth, a father. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's strange, very strange, but very important. It's what made him incredibly different. It's what made him fully man, but also fully God. It's the reason why he could do what we can't do. It's the reason why he could live a life that was sinless, because he had a whole different father. He had a heavenly father. And he lived here, did what we do, got up in the morning, had breakfast, went throughout life, interacted with really stupid people, went through the next day and the next day and the next day. Is that too strong? Don't you agree that I mean, you know, there's a lot of stupid people out there? And that's what, Life would be really easy if it weren't for the people. Everybody say amen. amen. Right? Your greatest trouble, my greatest trouble in life is people. If these people could just, you know, right? And he, he decided to interact with people just like you and I, and I know what you're thinking. It's them that's the problem, Right? And they're thinking what? You're the problem. And let's face it, we're both the problem. And Jesus enters into the problem because the problem's people. And he interacts with people just like you and I, and he deals with the foolishness and the ignorance and the hatefulness and the everything else that flows out of people. And he reacted and interacted perfectly, and he died for us. 
God says to me and you, just like he did to the people in Exodus, just like he did to the people of Israel, the people of God, you are mine. I am your God. I love you. You can trust me. Here's why. Here's why, believers. Here's why you can trust God. Because he brought you out of sin. He freed you from everything that is out to destroy you. And so God says to me, God says to you, God says to them, now let me give you some rules to live by that are going to help you function way, way better in life. Why? Because he values our relationship with him. He values our relationship with others. He knows how silly, foolish, and selfish that we can get. And he says, let me help you. Let me help you. Now, if you don't understand that God has redeemed you or you've never accepted God through Jesus as your redeemer, you might be asking this question, who is this guy, God, that would come along and give me any kind of instructions or any kind of rules or who is he to, okay, I get that. But if you do, if you will, or if you have received Jesus and you understand what he did for you on the cross, there ought to be a deep understanding as to who God is and why he would give you any kind of instructions in life. Because he's the one that died for you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that will do anything to have relationship with you. Wow. God, you love me? I mean, we sing that song as kids, if you grew up in church, Jesus loves me, this I know. I think some of us, like, need to sing that every day. Like, I think some of us in this room that have maybe even come to church week after week after week, we're wondering, I don't, I don't, I don't know if right now he really loves me. Yeah, he, he loves you. Some of you that are here and you're, you're checking Jesus out and church out and people out and you're wondering what this whole thing is about and you've done some stuff. Woo, you've done some stuff. We have too. We've just been forgiven of it. Listen, you're wondering if Jesus loves you and Jesus is like, yeah, I, I really, I love you. I want you. I'm for you. Let me ask you this question. It's going to come on the screen for you. How would your life look different if you knew you were in with God? How would your life look different if you knew you were in with God? What if you and God were like this? What if you knew that one day, no matter what happens, you and God are still going to be like this. What if you knew that when this life was over, for sure, without a doubt, you and God are going to be like this? What if for the rest of eternity you knew you and God were like this? And I know what some of you are subconsciously potentially thinking. Yeah, I think me and God are okay, but I don't know. That may be too strong. I don't know if, I don't know if I've done enough to be like this. You're missing this completely? God is telling you and I, no, you haven't done enough. Read the Ten Commandments, read any other commandments, read anything in the New Testament. You're going to realize you are right here. But he's saying, listen, it's not about what you do that causes you to be here. It's about what my son has done for you. 
He died in your place. He didn't stay dead. He came back from the dead. And because of him, you and I, through your faith, are like this. What if you knew? How would you do life different if you knew you were in with God? Would you be more willing to say, hey, God, I know we're good, and I know you love me, and because you love me, man, what can I, what can I do for you? I'm not going to do it because I have to. I'm going to do it because I want to. God, what, what will please you? God, how, how can I serve you because you've served me? Hey, God, I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. How do, how do I do that? I want to worship you. I want to recognize you as the creator and the redeemer of my life. How do I, how do, I do that? Hey, God, I think I want to start telling other people about you because we're like this. Most of us in this room are natural name droppers, aren't we? Some of you aren't, but most of us are. You know, we meet somebody like, yeah, I was there the other day at the airport, and me and, you know, me and them, we were hanging out, you know. We drop names, right? Or your cousin, like, met them three days ago, and so you feel like you're best friends with this famous person now or something, and, yeah, my cousin was over there. They're really tight, you know, and, you know, yeah, they were, they were hanging out. Them and the governor, no big deal, you know, right? We name drop all the time. What if we started name dropping? Yeah, me and Jesus, we're, we're like that. Oh, wait a minute, that's too far. That sounds way too, you know, prideful and whatever. But what if you went on to tell the rest of the story as to why you're like that? Who's going to get the glory? Jesus? Who's going to hear the story? Everybody else around you? What if you knew you were in with God? God's like, that's what I want you to know. I want you to feel that way. I want to interact with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want you to make me known to others. I want you to feel loved and accepted and set for life and eternity. I want to supply all of your needs. I want to be your one and only God. They came from a place where God annihilated ten gods at least. Ten of the many. God just totally annihilated them with the interaction there in the Exodus story. And how many gods do we have today in our world? We bow down and we worship. We give our time, our energy, our money, and our trust and our faith. God's like, come to me with your financial stuff. Some of you in this room, you got some financial stuff going on. Where are you running to right now? Where are you running to right now? Your broke friend? That's not very smart. Money tree? You know what I'm talking about? Those lending agencies that like, hey, you got a paycheck? We'll give you a loan on that. That's where some of you are running right now. And God's like, would you please just come to me and trust me and listen to me what I tell you to do about money? Because it's going to work out way, way better for you. Some of you got relationship stuff going on. You got relationship mess. And, and you know, like, God's like, come to me. And some of you are running to, to Delilah on evening radio. You know what I'm saying? And, like, God's like, no, like, me, me. Come to me. And some of you are like, that's silly. And some of you are making sillier contacts than that about your relationship stuff. Sometimes, some of you are married. Things aren't going well. And you're getting your instructions, also known as advice, from your divorced friend. Maybe calling Delilah would be actually a move up for you. 
God's like, no, no, come to me. Come to me. Your emotional stuff, your self-esteem issues, which, by the way, you're not the only one in this room struggling with that. Your parenting quandaries, and oh, man, parenting gets, uh, it gets crazy, doesn't it? And uh, our oldest is only 10. And they tell me the older they get, the harder it gets. I'm like, please, Lord, help us. Like, no, really, like, God, like, you need to help us. Every, please, God, we need, we need your help. We love our kids, and they, we, we think they know that we love them, and we believe they love us, but, God, we, we need your help. Your career issues, question marks, decisions that you've got looming. Jesus is like, come to me, let's have a relationship. Got one idea for you to consider as we wrap this up. It's a next step. It's going to be on the screen. It's going to be on the backside of your communication card. Maybe your next step today is this, and I hope it is. Live like I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ by. Live like I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ by, and then there's a blank. I don't know what God's stirring up in your heart. Maybe for some of you, you read on down through those Ten Commandments, or you remembered some, and you're like, whew, yep, that's an issue in my life right now, and that's got to change. I've been wrong. I need to live right there. God, I'm going to live like I have a relationship with you through Jesus by obeying you in this particular area in my life. Maybe some of you, I'm going to live like I have a relationship with God through Jesus by just worshiping him more freely. I'm not going to come in on Sunday and wait for my favorite song to come on or my favorite genre of music to come on for me to be happy about worshiping Jesus. It can be old. It can be new. It can be in between. As long as it's about Jesus, God, I'm going to sing to you from the bottom of my feet because I have a relationship with Jesus and I've just got to worship you. Maybe you're going to live like you have a relationship with God through Jesus by just being okay with a pastor who sometimes laid down maybe a bunt. And you're going to know that I'm up here trying every single week just to lift up Jesus. And you're going to give me some grace. And you're going to say, you know what, God, that poor guy, he's trying. He's trying. But Jesus, you didn't try. You were successful. So I'm going to worship you, serve you, follow you, do whatever you want to through this church anyway, despite that guy standing up there right now. You see what I just did? You see what I'm doing? Do you see what I'm doing? Let me keep talking. Live like I have a relationship with God through Jesus by loving my spouse even though they're not doing what I want them to do right now. And that may be a legitimate thing for you right now. They may not be doing what you want. But I'm going to love them anyway. Do you see what's happening right now? We're getting our eyes off of ourselves and off of others, which is where all the problems lie. And we're getting our, eye, we're getting our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, not of our legalism, the author and finisher of our faith. And faith in him, in him changes our lives. And for some of you here today, you've been considering Jesus, and you need him today. You need him to be your Savior. He's not. You're like, I really can't fill in the blank because I don't really have a relationship with him. Jesus died for you. He rose again for you, and he wants to change you forever. Let's pray.